I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to another episode of Headstrong. You're listening with me, Louis Strong, the host of this show. This series is called An Innings With and is entirely devoted to the sport of cricket. Yes, that's right. I am inviting a variety of cricket sports people to come and have a chat about their lives and their careers to understand what the word headstrong means to them. We have had a brilliant start to the series so far, and this episode continues that. Joining me on today's episode is England legend Sam Curran. Now, before I do continue this episode, I do want to wish everybody in India all the best. I really hope that they manage to make a safe and steady recovery through these very challenging and scary times. Now, Sam came on to have a chat about his time in the England bubble last year, as well as the IPL bubble. And we talked about the impact that that had on the team, overlooking the cricket ground, even after finishing a day's work. This series, we are supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation. If you would like to make a £10 donation, please text RSF10 to 70191. Thank you also to McGill and Partners and Ascot Group for their continued support as our sponsors for Season 5. Now, on with the episode. Fab. So, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today on on Headstrong. Where are you at the moment? No worries. Thanks for having me. I'm in in Cape Town at the moment. We've got a series coming up against um, South Africa in a couple. Starts next Friday, 3 T20, so it should be exciting. Not a bad place to play cricket. (laughs) I suppose the first thing that I want to talk to you about um, in this strange kind of world that we live in is the the bubbles and how the bubble support system has affected this year. I mean, for you, it must have been so strange entering this new 
life, I suppose, into the bubble. What was that experience like when you first got in? Yeah, it has. It's obviously a very different world we're all living in. Um, obviously, when March, obviously early March this year, we we all went into lockdown in England, and um, we then felt like cricket was a very long way away. So that was obviously, and then the bubble got talked about before during probably May time, the West Indies were coming over and um, we got loads of messages about these biosecure bubbles and everyone was like, what are these going to be like? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been in a bubble for a while now. Obviously, it's it's a very strict environment. You you get tested as you arrive. You stay in your room until your test is negative. Um, and obviously, the whole team has to be negative. And then you almost live in a little hotel bubble, which is your home for the next probably three weeks, which for your series it is very different because obviously we're not allowed to go out for the, to restaurants or cafes or anything like that. So um, you've, we're playing a lot of Xbox at the minute. So that's what's keeping <laughs> us busy. <laughs> I, I've done so, a yeah. couple of the tests. I can't imagine having to do it as consistently as you no doubt have to do it. They're not comfortable or enjoyable, are they? No, they're not great. Um, everyone's diff. Some people really put it up and know some people just tickle so it's um <laughs> it's very different uh, all the places we go to there's all different but um that's the main thing is just trying to keep us safe isn't it yeah absolutely when you um in in the you when you were in the uk over this this 2020 summer was it ever tempting at all to you know because you just pop in the car and you think oh i could always just go see <laughs> see the missus see the family see friends was there ever that temptation yeah, of course. There's always that temptation. Um, I won't lie, but um, it's obviously you've got to look at the big picture in terms of what what's at stake. You saw um, the way when the West Indies travelled over and um, obviously Australia came over in the summer. Um, the ECB have put so much funding and to get these environments safe. So um, there's so much on it and you don't want to be that guy who almost messes up the bubble or turns out to be positive. But, um, but these are the sacrifices we have to make, I guess. We're really lucky to be playing cricket and the sport we love but um i won't lie we are all very excited for the for the crowds to be back in because that's why we play mm. the game i guess it, it must be a really strange atmosphere in the grounds isn't it yeah it is it's very different i just come back from the ipl actually where they had the virtual noise in the stands so that was quite different when you hit a boundary or take a wicket there's like a fake chair which is quite <laughs> different and, um, but now there's obviously other grounds where it's absolutely soulless. So it is very different. I suppose it's what it's like playing in certain <laughs> certain places. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm very curious, particularly from uh, the, the Headstrong podcast perspective, what kind of support that you had in, in particular in the England bubble? Because it can be physically and mentally draining to be in such an environment because you are living, eating, sleeping cricket. How, what kind of support was there in the England setup for for your mentality and coping with the bubble? Yeah, well, obviously, as you can imagine, um, ECB are very big on their mental health and trying to look after players' well-being. Um, we had various times where players needed to get out the bubble in the ECB, let them go see their family, things like that. Um, we've also got a psychologist in the team who who obviously always there to come and help and have a chat. But it was more of being around your teammates and just trying to look after, look out for one another. Um, everyone's in the same situation loads of players as well had kids families they left for weeks on end so I guess it's you got to look out for each other was the main thing Um, we got various coaches who are always there to to chat and things like that so try to get away and play a bit of golf we we stayed in Southampton where there was a golf course on the ground which probably helped Um, but it's a very important topic at the minute as you say because 
this this bubble life does get to you. I've been in a bubble for probably four months now and probably had not much time at home. So um, you've got to look at the positive side. You are playing cricket, but you always got to find the balance. Definitely. Was there ever any conversations to allow the, the bubble to expand even to kind of partners or, or children or something? Because as you say, if you've nearly been in a bubble for four months, some of the guys who are in the team have, as you say, got kids and that's tough. Yeah, it is. It's very tough. Um, obviously, England were the first country to do the bubble if you early in the summer after the pandemic started. So there was no leeway in terms of England were obviously wanting to get it really right. But at the IPL, families and stuff were allowed to come into the bubble um, to see. Obviously, they had to go through the required quarantine and tests. So once they were there, they had to stay in the bubble and do the same rules. Um, I know a lot of families who did come out to the IPL and Obviously, it was really nice for players to have their partners or kids and stuff there, but uh, it was only hotel bound, so there's pros and cons. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the psychologist there, there in the England team, particularly when it comes to test cricket as well. I mean, you must have to focus on your mindset a great deal. Was there? Did you draw any parallels between kind of how you how you approach the quarantine with your test cricket? Um, well, definitely, yeah. Obviously, test cricket's long, but quarantine's probably a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's very different in terms of as you well, yeah. It's obviously you, as a cricketer, test cricket at the top level, you need to be so strong in the mind in terms of the way you handle the battles against certain players. It's obviously five days, so you finish day one, you've still got another four days to go. Um, it's very physically demanding, very almost mentally demanding as well. Especially if you have a tough day, you got to try and get back to your hotel, forget about it, get away from the game as easy as you can. Um, in the bubble, obviously, in Southampton, we we played a test match, finished day one, you're back to your room and you open your curtain and it's a cricket pitch. So <laughs> it's um, that was pretty tough. And I think guess that's the different bit now is trying to get away from cricket when you are in a bubble because normally we are allowed to go out for, to restaurants, go out for a walk on the beach, things like that. But um, now you've got to find different ways and um, the guys are coping pretty well. But uh, yeah, it's getting there. It's all good. You mentioned the Xbox. Is there any anything else you get up to? That I, I I kind of can imagine quite a lot of pranking going on. Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously Xbox, the big one, Call of Duty. The boys absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> and um, car- boys, a lot of cards being played. Um, oh, great. Yeah, as you said, pranks and stuff. I guess yeah, but they, obviously all these social distancing rules and stuff oh. like that. You got to be careful about so. So, yeah, we're trying to find to keep each other entertained. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned the the, the key difference there, I suppose, with the the IPL bubble and the, the England bubble that you were allowed to, some close family were allowed to come in. Was it was it strange or different going from that, the England bubble and I suppose what you were used to here over to the IPL? Was that, was that a difficult transition or was it actually quite comfortable and easy? Um, I think, it, obviously, I was prepared for the bubble and obviously I know for the IPL were in contact with England a lot about how they handled the bubble and things they did, things like that. So it was um, a very different bubble in, in the aspect we were in Dubai. Things like that. All Some teams had a beach where they could get cornered off and go down to the beach for the afternoon. Um, all teams were different. So it was it was different. But I think looking moving forward, uh, countries and franchises are definitely getting the bubbles better and making it more feel a bit homely and getting the families in um but it's i think we're all praying for a vaccine aren't we <laughs> yeah definitely so before you first ever went out for the to the ipl had you ever been to india before 
Um, I had been to India. Yeah, I played in the I, oh, as before, a, no, before, before. before the IPL. Uh, no, I hadn't. No, I hadn't. So what, what? So what was? What were your initial thoughts before you went out? Because you know you're going out onto the world's biggest cricket stage. You know, and you know the fans yeah. out there are incredibly cricket mad which is fantastic but you know yeah. you must have going out as a, as a cricketer compared to a, a tourist probably quite different yeah it is um obviously as a as a young cricketer looking up to the world biggest stage in terms of franchise comps india is obviously the love for cricket in india is probably similar to football in england i guess um the crowds are ridiculous i was, I was so amazed by the noise and the mm. passion that fans have for cricket in india um the, the players who live in India and play for India are absolute superstars. They can't really leave their their house and things like that. They just get like mobbed by fans asking for pictures, selfies, stuff like that. So it's um yeah, it was amazing. The love for cricket in that country is pretty incredible, and obviously the standard of cricket's pretty incredible as well. Definitely, it sounds like those the big the big Indian stars probably could deal with quarantine quite easily, not having to leave their house. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they used they they used to the bubble. I think um, a few of them probably was, wasn't too hard for them, but um, nah, it's got its pros and cons, like I said. Yeah, I mean you've you've got I have no doubt many IPL seasons to come, which is super exciting. But this year um, for the for the Chennai Super Kings, you had a pretty pretty epic season, and in fact. Just to bore you with your own stats, 186 <laughs> runs at 23.25 with a strike rate of 131 and taking 13 wickets um, at an economy rate of 8.19. You're one of only two all-rounders to complete the double of 150 runs and 10 wickets in the, ta- uh, in the, in the uh, group stage. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> how do you reflect on that? Are you like, that's, how, how do you feel about that, hearing that back? Yeah, obviously stats, stats, and they you can always look back and obviously feel good about yourself. And but no, it was a tournament, not a great tournament for the team. We obviously didn't get the results we needed. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it, obviously playing under for Chennai Super Kings, which is such a big franchise in India. Um, they're such a successful franchise, playing under the likes of MS Dhoni and these kind of guys, the biggest cricket captain probably India's ever had. So. That was pretty amazing to pick their brains, um, chat to them about cricket. And um, it was a good season for me personally, but I'd have obviously loved for the team to be in a winning position, getting into those qualification places. But now, great tournament. And obviously, we I'd love to hopefully play the IPL again in India, where the fans and experience what it's like to play in Chennai. So that's the dream. I was going to say, I suppose that's the one thing that you missed out on with such an epic season from a personal perspective. It would have been great to have shared that with uh, all the fans out there. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that nice playback over the speakers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um, now, obviously, I can. Chennai's got a massive fan base, and um, they so that's what I've heard, and that's what you see in terms of the messages you get, things like that. So it's um, I'm really excited. To hopefully start and play in Chennai one day for Chennai but um, fingers crossed we'll, we'll see what happens in the future I'm curious without wanting to um, make any enemies in, in India how, how did the Kings 11 and Chennai compare? Um, yeah I think they're both very different setups um, in terms of obviously Chennai is a very very as, as you can see it's a very successful franchise and um, it's uh, very I think their team's been very similar for many, many years. They haven't had many changes and I think that's why they've probably been extremely successful in terms of kept their side and they've um, grown each year and things like that. Whereas at Kings 11, I felt 
it was my first season in the IPL. Um, obviously, each game you go into, you got to do your best. And there's a lot of changes in terms of the teams we played and things like that. So, I, especially at Chennai, I played every single game. So, you get that belief in yourself and confidence where you know the captain, even if you have one bad game, you're still going to play the next. So, that kind of mindset's always good where your captain's backing you. You get that um, continuity like anything. If someone says we're not good, whatever that happens, you're going to still be in the team. That's always nice to hear from the captain. Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing on this international stage for England and then being able to play for such epic franchises out in India has given you an amazing platform. And you, I mean, you, you broke into cricket extremely young and, and you found kind of success, fame and fortune young. I mean, you're still, I mean, you're younger than me and it's going, it's going great. I'm very jealous. How do you deal with the pressure of the, of the spotlight in international sport, particularly at a young age and having found, um, you know, the, the, the fame and the fortune uh, younger than, than perhaps anticipated in your career? Yeah, I think um, I was obviously very lucky in terms of my upbringing. I was brought up with two, two brothers who loved cricket. My dad played cricket and coached cricket as well. So I was always in a very cricketing background, always used to go down to the cricket and watch when I was really young and, hit balls on the field and mess around, meet all the international players and see what it's like. And yeah, it is weird now to be playing international cricket and obviously playing in franchise cricket because it all happens so quickly. Um, you don't really get time to reflect, to be honest, and try mm. and put in your, your head and see what's you've achieved or happened because you obviously tournaments and games just keep coming. And um, the only time you probably get to reflect is when you probably get a month off. You at home with a family having a having a beer, and you can actually actually um, like look back and oh wow that was great, this was bad. Um, but um, you got good people around you. The England setup's amazing. You got um, guys who are really social, really friendly, and there's no real like uh, hierarchy as well, which is really nice as a young player coming into the team. You don't feel too nervous. Um, you get backed in the bigger players put their arm around you just to give you that confidence and belief in your own mind that you can go out there and succeed. I'm extremely curious and by all means you do not have to answer. Did you make any <laughs> uh, ridiculous or crazy purchases after that first signing in the IPL? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I've, actually, I've just bought my first, my first flat which was a great, a great feeling obviously getting a flat um, but no, I wouldn't say Anything ridiculous, no. <laughs> okay, good. I was uh, hoping that there wasn't going to be some green Lamborghini strolling in. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. No chance at all. This series is brought to you by two magnificent sponsors, Ascot Group and McGill and & Partners. Ascot Group is a global speciality insurance and reinsurance group with a record of underwriting excellence and superior claims service. Founded in 2001, the company provides a broad range of property and casualty solutions to customers worldwide through its platforms in London, Bermuda and the United States. Ascot is a long-standing supporter of charities with a link to sport, including ongoing sponsorship of the Great Britain Wheelchair Rugby Club. With a recent increase in mental health awareness, the company is particularly proud to support Headstrong Season 5 and Innings With, which focuses on the psychological well-being challenges that arise from professional sports. McGill & Partners is a boutique insurance broker, helping corporate clients find specialist solutions for their most challenging and complex risks. Growing rapidly since its launch in 2019, 
The company operates in the UK, Europe and the United States and prides itself on working with some of the biggest companies in the world. And you can find out more on their website, mcgillpartners.com. McGill and Partners understands high performance and the mental health challenges that can be associated with it, regardless of the industry people are working in. The company is fully committed to their employees' well-being and are delighted to be sponsoring the Headstrong podcast series. It is also delighted to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation. Thank you to these two wonderful sponsors. Um, how, how I look at the England squad now, and we arguably have the strongest bowling attack that England has ever seen in its history, with the likes of you know Jimmy, um, Brody, Wokes on on fire this summer. Yourself, how how do you, how do you feel? You know, with all this, you know, because it's almost as if you are, you know, because you're so young. There's it feels like there's somewhat of a hierarchy to an extent. Um, how, how how is it though playing with such? Kind of well, they're legends of the game now. Um, with such such ridiculous amounts of wickets for the team, what is it playing like playing it with the uh, the senior players? Yeah, as you said, there um, it's a it's an amazing group of bowlers. You missed, I think you missed out Joffre as well. So of course, of it's, course, um, yeah, it's um, it's a, it's an amazing group of bowlers for me as a younger younger bowler. Obviously, I've looked up to Jimmy and Broad my my whole life growing up, and uh, they such as I said, it's they're very easy guys to approach and chat to about fast bowling and um they just very relaxed obviously we i just really love turning up to training and those two are they're bowling in the nets you chat to them they're not going to be around forever as well so that's for me i've got to try and make the most of it to try and learn and uh, pick their brains and just take in those moments we had a test series here in cape town actually where we beat beat south africa on the last day like last 30 minutes in cape town jimmy jimmy and broad were both on the field stokes bowled that amazing spell um, mm. those type of memories for me as a young player is pretty incredible and um, yeah as I said they're not going to be around forever so I've got to make sure I keep um, learning from them and uh, keep enjoying playing with them absolutely absolutely you um, how, how do you take that crit- when you when when it ever happens in the papers and the press how do you deal with that criticism because unfortunately cricket being cricket and us being individuals everyone now and then has a bad day and that's fine that's just it is what it is right but how how do you block that out and the criticism you know when it sometimes it doesn't go your way on the pitch and how, how do you block out that criticism yeah i think it's a great topic obviously social media is massive now isn't it in the, mm. the world we live in um i think naturally any time like those type of things is a great thing because anytime you do well you want to read all the comments and anytime you do badly you don't so um i think it's just about finding the balance i'm pretty pretty chilled out person in terms of social media side of things i do have all social media and stuff like that but um i try and get away from the game as much as i can in terms of maybe going to play some golf with my mates and um or just trying to get away have a have a little social with my friends and get away with my girlfriend or anything like that. You just got to try and get away from the game, put your phone down for a bit and just, it's a hard thing to do because as you said, social media is where the world's at. You're following all your heroes, you're following your teammates, see what everyone's up to. So um, it is an important topic because I think people get it wrong and that's where they can go. Their downfall is they can read the bad comments and let it get to them. Whereas, I'm I personally feel I handle it quite well in terms of you got to accept criticism because we play in a sport where we're on TV all the time. So you're always going to get a bit of criticism even if you do well. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, well, how could you have improved? Why didn't you take six, not five? 
<laughs> yes, it's never good enough, is it? Yeah, exactly. And I was just wondering, do the England dressing room have any uh, protocol on, on phones in the dressing room? Do you know, certain times you are allowed to use it, not allowed to? Because that must help as well. Um, yeah, well, obviously, we when, when we play international games, we have to hand our phone before we go to the ground. So um, we're not allowed our phones all the time. We're playing on on TV and stuff, because obviously in terms of all the all the protocols and uh, I guess... Yeah, just we're not allowed our first to about it, what it is. So um, anti-corruption, stuff like that. So it's Is um, that for five days? You don't have it for five days? You get it in the evening? No, no, we get we could get it in the evening after play, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, otherwise you sound like a naughty boy at school. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've also shared um, the professional dressing room with family, which is not many people can say. What's it like yeah. when you've got family in the dressing room? Is there brotherly banter going on or is it actually, uh, you know, more more disciplined with the team? I mean, of course, there's banter with everybody, but... No, nah, yeah, there's... No, nah, as you said, there's always banter, but um, as soon as we step on the pitch, we are very serious. Now and again, we are competing against each other, which is quite a funny thing to say. You're competing for probably a few spots with your brother, which is obviously not awkward, but it is... You've got to have your... <laughs> it's good. It's always a bit of banter. We'd much prefer to both be playing, but um, no, it's obviously always very competitive. We have nets against each other and it brings back memories of the back garden growing up, um, things like that, whereas uh, we get a lot of stick in terms of being brothers and who's better, <laughs> who's this, who's that. So it's um, no, it's all good fun, but yeah, lots of good lads. Well, yeah, as you say, you grew up with two older brothers and I've got no doubt that um, what, what are they, two, or two and three years older than you. Is that right? Yeah, Ben's two years, Tom's yeah. two years older. Yeah, I mean, ha- having that hugely competitive atmosphere when you were growing up has probably cemented your your own competitiveness as well. You, they must have been bowling full pelt at you from, from the early ages, right? <laughs> yeah, we, as I said, we grew up so competitive and always batting, bowling, fielding, doing everything. And it was, when you play against your brother, I've actually played against Tom in, in the IPL this year. It was, yeah. Um, in, such a, in such a big stage, it's pretty funny i always running into bowl and i can't stop laughing so it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, you've got to try and be serious but sometimes you actually just got to realize it's a bit of fun and um, whatever yeah. happens happens of course definitely was there any uh, was there any chat on the pitch no nah, well he nicked one for four which i wasn't happy about and we had a word <laughs> with him after the game <laughs> yeah come on hit them get it off the middle yeah, exactly. I mean, with with sledging now being kind of a healthy part of the game, have you seen a shift slightly with, um, you know, with the with the use of the on on pitch mics now, and indeed the um, umpires occasionally getting getting access to that? Uh, is there is there's there been a big shift in the in that kind of part of the game, the sledging part with the mics on the pitch? Um, I, I guess you could say, yeah. I think we all know now when we're playing. As you walk past the stump, there's a microphone and stuff like that. Um, I think guys have just got to be a bit more subtle in the way they approach approach their verbal ways. But in the moment, it is very difficult. If you in a battle, you and you want to say something, you have got to say it. But um, as long, I think you just got to keep it as clear, clean, and clear as possible. You don't want to say the wrong thing and get get caught in the in the media again, where you can they can. Mm spin it and the next thing you know it's your bad guy so you just got to be careful and there's there's different ways of doing it but yeah there definitely is still a bit of sledging but i think that's a healthy thing what's the best one you've received or indeed given i'm sure that you've got some good good (laughs) stuff in the locker (laughs) to be fair nothing really i think probably just brother related actually 
yeah, the, the classic, you're just not as good as your brother or something like that, like <laughs> all the, no, the, the normal band, but um, now you just shrug it off and crack on. Yeah, absolutely. I'd really like to talk to you about the, um, the diversity uh, in the England dressing room because you are yourself um, Zimbabwean and also in the dressing room, we've got the likes of Owen Morgan, Ben Stokes, Adel Rashid, uh, Moeen. And that, I mean, there's an incredible range of people in this dressing room. How does diversity of thoughts affect the team ethos? Because I recall during a, uh, a series a while ago where uh, Owen Morgan said, oh, we've got the luck of the Irish behind the team. And then Adel Rashid said, no, we've got Allah. And I just was thinking, <laughs> wow, we've got all the, you know, the incredible um, ethos and the, yeah, as I say, the diversity of thought is incredible. Yeah, as you said there, I think um, England, we as a side, we've, we're very different everyone comes from different backgrounds and um i think it's pretty incredible that's the amazing thing about the team everyone comes from different backgrounds ethnicities things like that where you can actually it brings as you said some of those comments it's about like accepting everyone's different and that's why i think the team's so unique in terms of you look at what's happening in the world now and i think it's about accepting everyone is the same and i think it's the england team do it really well um obviously we've got of different cultures and um, I think that's probably why we so it's a successful team is because everyone comes in and they don't feel left out or different or judged and I think it's a it's a pretty amazing setup and um, I think England have always been pretty strong on that as well ever since I've joined the team definitely yeah absolutely I mean I just I, I love it but I'm curious who's got who's the one who takes the uh, the orcs cable and is playing the tunes Oh, um, Jason Roy loves, he's been on the, on the, on the UE boom this trip where he's literally playing all sorts. Um, Billings, Sam Billings actually really enjoys a, a good dance. Um, oh, I knew to be that. Fair, everyone loves it, loves a good tune, don't they? Um, but yeah, it's a very, the one day group especially is a very energetic group in terms of guys love going down to the pool and putting the tunes on and having a laugh. And, um, yeah, it's everyone, everyone, whoever, Whoever gets on the tunes gets always gets stick, so you try and stay away for any <laughs> rubbish tunes. <laughs> oh, okay, so if I was putting you on the spot now, then what would be your go-to song to make sure everyone gets behind you? Four. Um, the Joel Corey one, Head and Heart, is actually a decent one at the minute. Um, the the charts one, I don't know how it even goes, but yeah. Brings a bit of a tune. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep them on the side. So, yeah, I mean, as we said there, was there ever an option yourself that Zimbabwe was on the cards? And Because I know that when you were younger, you did play, um, I think, under-13s or something for, for Zimbabwe. So was that ever an option for you, considering your, your father's uh, legacy and history? Yeah, I guess, um, well, obviously, I was, I was born in England and then moved over to Zimbabwe very young and then, lived out there for many years and then obviously came back to England. I don't think it was ever on my, on ever, on ever our minds to probably play for Zimbabwe. I think um, England was always probably where we wanted to play. And um, I think it just worked out to be that. It will always be a special place in my heart, but um, definitely I feel, I feel like England's home. Um, I do obviously live there now and have for the last probably eight years. So it's uh it's it's obviously hindsight you can always look back and but now i'm really happy where i am and where our family are and everyone's in a good place so we're very we can be very lucky do you, uh, do you how often do you get to go back to zimbabwe um to be fair i haven't actually been for probably a few years now but we try to get back but the the international schedule now at the minute and yeah you're back to is, back yeah it's very it's very tricky but 
family one day, but um, I can't, I won't lie, I don't know when that will be. Oh, family one day, here we go. Is there, <laughs> is there a ring on the horizon? No chance, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> I won't send that one over. <laughs> um, let's look to the future as well. You've got a whole, whole, a whole lot of time left in your playing career. I suppose learning from all these um, incredible guys, and indeed uh, both in India, in the England dressing room, and all over the world, coaches and players alike, you're getting some extensive knowledge. When you look potentially past the playing career, what are your thoughts on coaching? Yeah, as you said, I'm obviously very still very young. Um, to be fair, I think I just I do love cricket, so I think probably coaching is always the first thing that comes up when obviously cricket is finished because no one really wants to get away from the game. Um, to be fair, I haven't really thought about it. To be honest, could be anything. <laughs> it's, it's a long time away. Uh, could be a professional golf on the PGA. You never know. <laughs> yeah, the the amount in the England dressing room play. I'm sure you might be. Well, yeah, we do play a lot of golf. It's uh, it's a very frustrating game. I'll put it that way. <laughs> who's got the Who's the best shot? Um, uh, I think James Jimmy Anderson plays off about six, so he's probably the best. But yeah. um, everyone everyone hacks it about left and right, and everyone's pretty similar standard, which makes it good fun. We always go down there and have a laugh, and yeah, lose a lot of balls. <laughs> Let's look to the future then. What's twenty What's twenty twenty one in terms of your your personal aims got in in store? Because we've got potentially the IPL lined up again. T twenty World Cup Ashes coming. Yeah, that's uh, as you mentioned. Those things are pretty big things, especially obviously the <laughs> World Cup T twenty and um, the Ashes in Australia is obviously probably the dream as a as an England player to try and play in an Ashes series there. Um, that's obviously one of my goals to get beyond that plane to go to go to the Ashes. Um, obviously, again, any World Cup. Um, I've never played in a World Cup for England. Obviously, I played in the under-19s, but not in a full full World Cup. And there's back-to-back um, ones in India and Australia. So that would be pretty cool to be involved. Um, and again, IPL, yeah, it's obviously I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, I go back. And um, yeah, just got to keep, keep trying to keep pushing and try and become more of a consistent, regular player in the 11. Um, I've been probably in and out the side quite a bit in terms of um, just because of strength of the side and sometimes probably my performance. It's probably just trying to nail down my spot and make sure no one can take it off me. And um, yeah, that's my goal really is to become a consistent pick in the 11. So yeah, just got to keep working hard and training well. Absolutely. I ask this question, uh, Sam, to every guest that comes on the podcast. Uh, what does the word headstrong mean to you? Um, well, straight away, I think, as what we spoke about a little bit earlier, is about being mentally strong. And as I live in an environment which you can't, what's the word? Uh, you're probably always judged in terms of being in the, in the, in the sport and sport that we do. You're constantly playing on TV and you're constantly getting judged. I, I, we live in an industry and I play in a sport where you probably get paid for performance in a way. So it's about trying to be headstrong is probably the right word. As you said, it's uh, being strong in my mind that I've prepared well. I'm focused. There's no real distractions from the outside when I'm going out into the middle of a 40,000 fans to play in an Ashes series or something like that. There's, I've got to know in my mind that I've trained well. There's nothing worse. A couple of times you go out there and you're like, oh, well, I haven't trained for this, so I'm not prepared. It's about being mentally strong. Probably internationally, it's probably more in the mind, I would probably say. 
in terms of you've done all your training it's you're at the top level it's about managing that and putting all your skills you've done over many many years um so i find it's probably more in my mind when i'm playing well if i'm in a good headspace i'm i'm going to be performing at my best so it's definitely a topic that's massive now and i think it will keep getting bigger in the future is mental health and how you manage that and enhance your performance in a in a positive way Brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Um, Sam, thank you so much for coming on Headstrong. I really appreciate it. And all the best for the series. And here's, here's everyone looking to 2021 and, and in, enjoying some, some good wins down under. Definitely. Thanks, mate. My pleasure. We are supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation with Headstrong and Innings With. Sir Andrew Strauss lost his wife to non-smoking lung cancer in 2018. Just before her death, Ruth and Andrew discussed the idea of setting up a foundation to help other families who would be facing a similar ordeal. The Ruth Strauss Foundation wants to ensure that all families with dependent children facing the death of a parent are offered emotional support and guidance to prepare for the future, allowing them to make the most of their time together. In tandem, they are driving the need for more research and collaboration in the fight against non-smoking lung cancers, which are on the rise and to which Ruth ultimately lost her life. You can support their cause by making a donation today. To donate, text RSF10 to 70191 to donate £10. Or you can donate online at virginmoneygiving.com forward slash fund forward slash headstrong forward slash RSF. Thank you for all your support of Headstrong and the Ruth Strauss Foundation. And that's it for this episode of Headstrong. A massive thank you to Sam for having a chat to me on this episode. Now, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I would like to send all my warmest well wishes to any listeners out in India. And I wish you all the very best and you are very much in my thoughts and prayers now thank you to you as well the listeners for tuning in to this episode of headstrong i do hope that you enjoyed our conversation for more fantastic cricketing conversations and indeed non-cricketing conversations give us a follow leave a rating and a review and i will see you next week for another cricket legend 